A United DC-6 is flying from Los Angeles to Chicago, but they have some complications over Bryce Canyon in Utah. What caused this flight to crash while trying to emergency land in Utah? Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Miranda. I'm Christy. We have... Caitlin! Hi! I'm social coordinator. <laughs> hey! Are you going to actually be participating or are you just hanging out in the background? I'm listening and working, so I'll ask questions as needed, but don't okay. rely on me for everything. Okay. okay. <laughs> also, friends, please check our social media. I try to make it fun. I'm doing a giveaway soon. Keep your eyes peeled. Oh, it is yeah. roasty toasty up here, friends. It was a roasty toasty day. This was the first day I think we got... Almost, not quite, but just about to 100 degrees. I'm sure we hit 100. Somewhere must have hit 100 in the metro area, but it wasn't here. I was asleep inside most of the day, so. Yeah, walking through downtown on the pavement between all the buildings, I was drenched in sweat. Out on the ramp at the airport, I was completely drenched all freaking day. I just didn't stop, and it just was so flipping warm. I mean, just radiates heat. Right up off the ground, yep. too. Yeah, I decided to wear all black to the gym. Mm-hmm. So, But at least it was only going to the gym, so it was acceptable to be sweaty. Yes, so. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's not usual that you're sweaty before you even get there to work out. Right, yeah. yeah, you know what? It just makes me look like I'm working out harder. That's Yeah, it's nice. For those that walk in after I'm there. Yeah, yeah. You know, nice one thought. <laughs> nice thought. Okay, oh, there's a couple new people on Patreon we need to thank. Yeah, we've got a lot of new patrons lately. Yes. Welcome to our new patrons, Beth and JJ. Thank you. Hello. Thanks. Welcome welcome to the Disaster Club, whereas we are disasters, and we talk about disasters. This is not new. No. I'm pretty sure Beth joined, like, immediately after we finished recording. Yeah, that, yeah that's what happened. Uh-huh. Last time. Yep. We were like, sorry, but next time. <laughs> <laughs> next time. Make sure you do all the stuff. Sign up for the newsletter, check out the merch page. You can check out what's included on Patreon if you go to our Patreon page on the website, or you can literally just go to patreon.com slash podcast, and it will show you everything included with all the tiers and stuff. Sign up for Ducks. Most people who have signed up for Ducks should be getting Ducks soon. If you have not gotten Ducks and you've signed up for it, I would say in the past month or so, Paige just sent out all the ducks like last week so yes if you are like you know i sent mine in a while ago and i never got ducks yours might have been the one that came back to us for whatever reason yeah there's a couple that have actually popped back to us yeah so if that's the case you just need to let us know and we'll fix whatever's wrong with the whatever i mean one of them was it didn't have a custom form and so it got sent back but In any case. Anyway, if you haven't gotten it, just let us know. We'll we'll get them to you. Yeah. Also, if you are one of the individuals whose card has declined on Patreon, please go fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, make sure to keep track of that. There's more than usual. It's just built up over the months because there's people that it keeps trying to charge them and it keeps declining, Mm -hmm. uh, which probably means you don't use Patreon very much, which is fine. You can go in and cancel it. It's not a big deal, but you should like fix that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple people that it's been like declined since like January. Yeah. So if you're like, well, 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm not getting any emails anymore or whatever from yeah. Patreon because it'll, it'll email you every time we post. Right. Then you need to go in and check your card information. Sometimes you just need to re-enter card information. Yep. Because my Patreon that I have for other stuff does that sometimes. So just be aware of that. And if you're one of those people, I would check that out. Chickity, check it out. Chickity, check it out. Yeah. For shizzle. Is there any other housekeeping stuff? I'm going to plug the socials again. Please look at them. <laughs> Please share them. Reposting would be great. There is a TikTok of Miranda's red flags that makes me giggle, and she was slightly offended. Miranda's red flags got posted because Caitlin forgot to record a recording. Um. <laughs> the audio. <laughs> but it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It was still a lovely post. Which most of those are true except one. <laughs> I do, too, have a skincare routine. If it makes you feel better, I didn't write it. TikTok did. I love how that made you really offended. I was so (laughs) offended because I've had it for like more than a year. But I love how you weren't offended by the red flags it called out. No. (laughs) Those are true. Those are true. And I feel like those are stereotypical. One other thing. Housekeeping. This won't come out until about August. This is the first episode in August. Yep. This is the first Mm -hmm. episode in August. So there'll be like two or three of us more on the tiktok but i'm having everyone post a hi this is this week's episode on our tiktok so you get to meet all of our staff face to face i'm also out of town for a good chunk of time and moving and starting school so that makes my life easier but yeah so you'll get to see all of our lovely faces all five of us so yes that is a thing yes who knows maybe milo will cover an episode (laughs) we'll have some captions you never know yes keep your eyes peeled all right so what are we covering today nick today we are covering United Airlines Flight 608. Thank you to... Helen. Helen, again, for recommending this episode. This one is not in the UK, though. I'm proud of you, Helen. <laughs> Go, Helen. <laughs> Thanks, Helen. This is an old one. This is actually very old. One of our oldest. Yes, and thus it has a very old report, too. Is it the oldest? It's not it is not the, the oldest. oldest that we've covered? We did one in 42. 1942. Which one was that? Episode 164 is TWA3. Oh, clearly I don't remember that. That's fine. That is probably the oldest one. So we're not beating that one. Nope. So, anyways, this accident occurred on October the 24th of 1947. So, two years after the war. The war! The war! Sorry. (laughs) We haven't done that in a hot minute. (laughs) No. That means we've recorded something else in the 40s. Was it TWA Flight 5? TWA 3 was in 42, which was during the war. The war! And then there was the Pan Am 121, which was in 1947, the same year as this one. Which one was the one that we had to talk about? The war! Probably TWA. Okay. That was number 164, so it would be the most recent. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go listen to that. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if that's the right one or not. I have no idea. Whatever the case, this was a Douglas DC-6 with the tail number November... Charlie 37510, because they did the old NC tail numbers, which is how the Enterprise also ended up, the the famous Enterprise from Star Trek ended up with NC, is they based it on tail numbers from aircraft. Mm. Old tail numbers, though. Military type tail numbers and old tail numbers were all NC. The Douglas DC-6, we talked about a DC-4 in the last episode. The DC-6 is not dissimilar. They're actually very similar but the DC-6 is a slightly larger, slightly more powerful quad-engine piston airplane. It has got a lot more oomph than the DC-4, but it's 
very similar in look and style and such. So it is, we're talking about obviously an old airplane, but at the time this was like the, the prime thing. This was the big thing in the sky. This was like the big thing you could fly on. This was as big as they got before, because this was right before the jet age. Right. So the jet age obviously changed that rapidly, but this was one of the biggest things you could fly. That was a land-based aircraft with an airline. This was a flight from Los Angeles to Chicago Midway because Chicago Midway was their international airport at the time. O'Hare was not really a thing yet. It was there. Are there still international flights to and from Midway? Yes, there are. Mm -hmm. But this was their primary airport. This was the Chicago airport. O'Hare was a thing. They, it was a military but, base, right? Yeah. As are most airports They during the era, they were mostly yeah. military and Air Force bases at the time. So Because of the war! The war! The war! The war! So... The fun thing is, the the report doesn't give me names, hours, ages, anything. It's old. For the crew. It's old, old. This report was four pages. It was all four pages. (laughs) That's all there was to the report. It didn't give us a whole lot to work with. No, not much at all. I do have a name for the captain, however, because it was on the Wikipedia page. All right. I have no idea how about they got that. They have inside information. It probably came from a news article or something at the time. The captain was Everett L. McMillan. That's all I know. Oh, okay. There was a first officer and probably a flight engineer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a navigator. I, I was going to say, and a navigation Maybe. Person. Maybe. Probably. Most likely. It's, possibly. It's around that era. Perhaps. Yes. I wonder if the reason that I hate talking about navigation is because I was a navigator in a past life. I don't know. Maybe. Fair enough. The first officer that was on this flight, do you want me to cover this now or you want to talk about it? The first officer. Oh, please talk about it. Okay, that's what I thought. So the first officer that was on this flight, now this is a weird thing and we have never really talked about this in jest, but at the time it was regular that flight crews were always paired together and they pretty much always flew with the same person everywhere. Okay. So even on their days off, they had the same days off and then they go back on and fly with the same person. They had like a regular crew. Like they had, they a, were they your had crew. a partner. Yeah. Right. They were your, your crew. They were your partner in crime. Partner in flight. Partner in flight. Right. But on this flight in particular, the first officer, the normal first officer was ill. He was had, the sick. He had the he sick. had a sickness, which not foreshadowing, but that's unfortunate. <laughs> and there was a fill-in first officer instead. Okay. So not the normal first officer. They noted that in the report, and that's all they say about the first officer. At Los Angeles, 47 passengers joined the five crew that boarded the aircraft. Now I cannot figure out what the five crew are because, again, they didn't clarify. So I don't know if it's two cabin crew, three cabin crew. I don't know. I don't know how it breaks down. I feel like it's probably four in the cockpit and one stewardess, or it's three and two. I don't. Those would be the probabilities. I would think there's two in the rear. So I'm guessing there's three in the front. I'm guessing there's a flight engineer who might also be a navigator. (laughs) This is, at the time, this is like the most modern airliner there is, so they might not have needed a navigator or anything like that. You say that, but... I know, I know. We are short on information, folks. Sorry. Yay. The information just really wasn't there. There's just not much to provide. Flight preparations were completed, the engines were started, and the aircraft taxied for takeoff to the runway. The flight departed Los Angeles at 9.23 a.m. local time. The takeoff and climb were normal. The flight cruised at a whopping 19,000 feet in VFR conditions. 
It was a VFR flight, which was VFR? weird. Visual, Visual flight, flight rules. rules. So normally aircraft fly on instrument flight rules, and all airlines fly on instrument flight rule flight plans nowadays, which means they use their instruments and GPS, and they have an exact route and flight plan. Now, they had an exact route and flight plan, but it was VFR, which means they didn't have to use their instruments for most things, most of the time. And that is kind of strange and also just not legal these days. <laughs> Got it. You can do it in general aviation because you are smaller, slower, and your ability to see and avoid traffic is much greater because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. The flight made regular reports at Fontana, Daggett, and Silver Lake in California. We've if talked about some of those waypoints before. Yes, we have. They're very common. At the time. They then made a report over Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada. And then St. George, Utah. At St. George, the flight reported that they would pass over Bryce Canyon, Utah at 12.22 local time was their estimated time. That said, things go downhill very quickly from here. Okay, then. At 12.21 p.m. local time, the flight reported to the air traffic controller that a fire was detected in the baggage compartment which the crew could not extinguish. Mm-hmm. I see the look on your face. Seems like an appropriate term. Yes. Rut-row raggy. Yes. <laughs> Is this before... I'm sure we'll get into it, and I hate doing this, but did they have fire extinguishers? Yes. Mm-hmm. So why the f- aren't they able to put it out? We'll talk about it. There's actually a very good reason why. Oh, okay. <laughs> not a good one. I shouldn't say a good, but... There is a very a reason. There is a very pertinent reason there why. There are several reasons, actually. Yes. Beautiful. We'll get there. This is definitely on the list of things that does not happen anymore, ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, uh, I, okay. We already primed Miranda yesterday, but this is a rage warning starting very soon because you you going to get real mad at this the one. The angry... Things just keep getting worse and worse from here. The flight crew also reported to the air traffic controller that the cabin was filling with smoke and that they would be attempting to make an emergency landing at Bryce Canyon Airport since they were pretty much over it. Shortly after that, the flight crew also reported to the air traffic control that the tail is going out, quote unquote. We may get down and we may not. The tail is going out. What? They believe the tail was falling off. In flames. Uh, what? And we may get down and we may not, quote unquote. I reiterate, rut row raggy. Yes, big time. Yes. I yes. mean, they, did, the they did get down. How? Not, no. How, how <laughs> did they fall? We'll get there. 12.26 p.m. local time. So now a whole five minutes has gone by since their initial report. The flight crew reported to the air traffic controller that they were going down at the, quote, best place, end quote, available. Okay. So they were deeming that they were just going to have to put it down wherever they could. Yeah. Not find a field. Not in the canyon. Right. Don't, don't. Don't, don't hit the canyon. Well, we'll talk about the canyon because there's an important thing about the canyon, actually. Are they over the Grand Canyon? No. Bryce Bryce Canyon. Bryce Canyon. Bryce Canyon in Utah. One minute later, the flight crew reported, quote, we may make it approaching a strip, end quote, which is the Bryce Canyon Airport. This was the last time that the flight would be heard from, however. Okay. Witnesses on the ground had watched as the airplane flew by with trailing white smoke starting around 20 miles from the Bryce Canyon Airport, southwest of the Bryce Canyon Airport. Right. This was followed later by thick black smoke. Not a good sign. No. 
not not good thing. Things are not a good sign. There's Things are deteriorating. There's definitely a fight fear. Yeah, fire. yeah. Oh, fire. yeah. A f- fire, yes. There's a fire. Things are deteriorating quickly. Some witnesses reported that people on the aircraft were seen throwing items out of the cabin door to try to reduce weight so that the aircraft could make it to the airport. Duh. That makes so much sense now. They were flying very low. That's not my problem. My problem is that they deemed it necessary to just open up the door and go, yeet! Yes. To everything. Yep, that's pretty much what they were doing. Everything they possibly could. That explains a lot more of my part, actually. Mm-hmm. But does the emergency... Would that even help? I feel like no. most, of the, most of the weight is in the cargo compartment anyway. Unfortunately, in this instance, no. Um... Do you know what the door configuration is for a DC-6 such that what happens when um, you... Yes. Okay. I assume you do? No. Okay. There's usually a couple of ways to go about this, but much like a normal airliner today, there are usually a couple of doors, one at the front, one at the rear, because... Yes. Because airplane. So I don't know which door they were using, but I would hope they were being smart about it. (laughs) What does that mean? Um, if you hurl things out the front door, the propeller is probably about five feet from that door. Oh, so the back door? I would hope they're being smart about it and hurling things out the back door. <coughs> I didn't even think about that. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> this was not clarified, however. It was clarified. Well, by you, maybe. I have a feeling I know that, the answer to this question. That means they were throwing out the front door. And that is not a good thing. <laughs> and then it hit the engine, and then we go bad times. So my question <laughs> is when you open a door in flight, there there are several different kinds of doors nowadays. Some of them are attached, and some of them you have to yeet from the aircraft. Mm-hmm. What? 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 These do not come apart. That's interesting. I have it may have because of the forces. That's interesting. Got it. That means... The door came off. I have a sneaking premonition. <laughs> that's called foreshadowing. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on, but not for very long. Don't worry. We're, wait, we're... wait. I, I have a question. <laughs> okay. On, Only one? Yeah, uh, probably a lot more than one, but we'll get there. Okay. Um, my f- first question. Mm-hmm. Did Who ordered them to eat stuff out the door? No idea. That, this wasn't even in the report in the history of flight. I'm pulling this This wasn't part. in my part at all. I pulled this from the Wikipedia page. Oh. Which is probably from a news story. Huh. I, it's just one of those where it's like, I don't find it... I find it very strange that someone was like, you know what we need to do? Take all the and well, throw it out of the air. Well, the reason we don't know is there was no one left to tell the tale. So, we're getting there. Yeah, I figured as much. The The... The whole thing with this is, yes, okay, don't get me wrong, the airplanes still weighed a lot, but airplanes, these type of airplanes weighed a lot less than aircraft we have today. Yes. So, weight was very influential on the airplane at the time. I mean, it's influential now, don't get me wrong. Weight was a very influential thing on this airplane in particular, and on all airplanes at the time, because they were small and not super heavy. So a uh, handful of bags and some trolleys and such do actually play a pretty heavy role in the weight and balance of this airplane. So I can kind of understand why that was the first thought. Also, this airplane isn't pressurized. So, But wouldn't that throw off some How of the weight and balance? It's not majorly pressurized. At this altitude, it wasn't pressurized at all. Yes. Which is why the door was open. 
Well, I figured that much out. It is a pressurized airplane, but it's it's it, it's not very pressurized. Not like the airplanes we have today, which is why it's altitude. It's pressurization altitude. Like well, the cruising altitude was only nineteen thousand feet. If yeah, I mean, if it was like today, you wouldn't be able to get the door open to th- no. eat stuff out because no, with stuff not even at a low altitude, you can't, you can't open it. Right. It has to be unarmed. Right. So there's all sorts of things with that, but yeah, that that's a whole thing. So I can kind of understand why they might have thought that, especially because the airplane had been flying low for a handful of minutes, which was concerning. If I'm on that plane and someone looks at me in the mm-hmm. middle of a fire and goes, throw your luggage out. I'm not throwing my luggage. I'm sitting on the floor and crying. <laughs> Fair. It's not to say that didn't happen. I don't know. It's just suspicious. Anywho. It's fairly suspicious. Sus. I don't talk the, about the other big thing that was happening. We'll talk about, I'm sure, all of the things that occurred with, anyways. Chris the, like, what big thing? <laughs> eyebrows. Flamey thing? The fire? Well, the other flamey thing. I know. The okay. other flamey thing. I don't talk thing. about that. Yeah, we'll get there. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> the gay thing? That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. To. So, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. This is interesting but it's all of this is happening at the same time witnesses saw the aircraft in flames and losing pieces as it flew along Hmm. quite a few of them actually yeah no witnesses however saw the actual crash itself they were pretty out in the middle of nowhere mind you the aircraft passed just over the bryce canyon mesa just about 1500 yards from the airport damn they're so close you don't talk about the influence of the canyon do you nope Then I'll talk about it now. It turns out that the winds from the canyon are actually what brought the airplane down because it wasn't flying very high. Oh, no. The winds flowing out of the canyon up the mesa to the airplane actually what caused it to flip and thus crash because they were only flying at 10 feet. Oh, well, (laughs) if you're only 10 feet above the ground. They were only 10 feet above the ground at the time. And when they got some winds that may or may not have forced the airplane to lose control. Flip, buddy, do, da. The aircraft crashed. Flip of the plane. Yep. Short of the airport, after control was suddenly lost, crashing onto National Park Service land. The aircraft left a blackened area burned by the fire, and pieces of the aircraft scattered in a very large area along State Highway 22. The engines were thrown about 200 to 300 feet to give you an idea of how heavy the impact was. The engines on this airplane probably weighed more than most engines on aircraft today. Huh. Because these were piston engines and very big and very, uh, very heavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of moving pieces. Do we have a weight estimate? I'm not sure, but what I can tell you is they produce a whopping like 2,400 horsepower each. Yeah. Which is... It's nothing. Is, 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 it's heavy, 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 heavy. For are. a piston engine, that's heavy. insane. I see. Hold on, I'm, I'm now looking it up just so I, I yeah. 18 pistons each. Was this a DC-6, DC-6A, or DC-6B? All it said was DC-6, and this was early in the DC-6 series, so I'm guessing it's a DC-6. Okay, it was powered by a Pratt & Whitney R2800 double wasp. Yep, that's correct. Of which 125,000 of those were built. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of freaking engines. They put them on everything. They were very common at the time. But also, so many moving parts. There's so many ways things can go wrong. kind? Oh, the CA-15. Great. Where is that? (laughs) Dry weight, as in without anything else, these engines were 2,360 pounds, approximately. How much? 2,360 pounds. I'm impressed it's that little. (laughs) (laughs) 
However, that was the 18-cylinder version. Yes, which is probably what's on this airplane. Okay. Power output of 2,100 horsepower at 2,700 RPM. That is one variant. That is the 54 variant of the R2800. This was equipped most likely with the R2800 CA15, of which I don't have the specs off the top of my head. Nor does this Wikipedia page. What the... Thanks, Wikipedia. It's fine. Uh, so, I mean, just putting in perspective, those engines detached from the airplane and managed to fly another 200 to 300 feet. And there's four of them, which gives you a little bit of an idea of how heavy this impact was. It was hard. It was a very hard impact. The aircraft was completely destroyed by the heavy impact. A piece of the tail, 18 to 30 feet in length, was the largest piece of wreckage that was left over from the accident. All 52 on board perished in the accident, which this is the first one in a while we've actually had where all on board perished. perished. Yeah. So that's uh, unfortunate. At the time, this was the second deadliest uh, aviation accident. Yep. That got quickly overshadowed. Yeah. If you look at the DC-6 and the notable accidents and incidents, this is actually the first one on the list. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Another question. Another answer. Maybe. They thought the tail was falling off. Uh-huh. Tail was like the biggest piece of wreckage they found. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't falling off? Well, I'll put it this way. Most of the airplane made it to the wreckage site. <laughs> and the tail was included in that. And everything was on the tail? Yeah. Yeah. As far as I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Caitlin's face is like, wait, what? What do you mean? I think yeah. so. Confusion. I don't talk about the tail, so okay. the tail is not the problem based on that. The but big thing why is... Why were they freaking out about the tail? What made them think... They may or may You look not, backwards and you see fire. They may or may not have made a faux pas, too, which we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, let me look up a picture of the DC-6. Hold on. I don't understand why they think the tail would fall off. I don't either. Anyway, this Sorry. is... That, that was that was like a big thing. I'm like... The, the, huh? the baggage compartment is in the rear. There are two, first of all. Yes, there but are. Underneath. But the primary one is in the rear, and they're getting an indication that it's flame, which... Eh, but it would have to... It, the fire would have to eat up the entirety, like, all the way up for the tail to fall off. Yes. And also through the cables, because it's a cable-driven airplane. That's oh, the more important I guess thing. That's the more they believe they were losing control slowly, oh, okay. which is why they thought that it was a flame and they were losing the tail. Well, you're going to talk about it. All right. They're not wrong. Not entirely, although there's a lot more at work here. So this investigation was performed by the... A-A-I-B? No. C-A-B. Where are we? Sorry, I don't know. The U.S. Utah. I blacked out for like the entirety of the first part of the episode, apparently. The U.S. in Utah. Sorry. In the 1947. The 1947. The 1947. Uh, and the CAB, or the Civil Aeronautics Board, was the predecessor to today's NTSB. They arrived on location later that evening and began cataloging and transporting wreckage to a Douglas Aircraft Company plant in Santa Monica, California, so as to begin reconstructing the aircraft. This included reconstructing the major portion of the fuselage from the leading edge of the wing back to the rear pressure bulkhead. Already knowing that there was a fire, based on, uh, everything. The smoke, mostly. Witnesses radio calls. They began separately reconstructing the air conditioning compartment as a means of tracing the flame path and assessing the damage from the fire in flight. I don't know why they made that decision. I had four pages to work with. Okay. That's the decision they made. Okay. 
To aid in the determination of the fire sequence, they also worked backwards on the ground from the point of impact and followed the debris path, finding various articles from the plane as well as aircraft structure for 26 miles. Oh, well, if they were dumping stuff out of the plane, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. make sense. One might okay. understand how things like this happen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that makes sense. The sequence of falling pieces would help determine where the fire started. From this, they were able to determine that the aircraft began to disintegrate in the center section near the right wing fillet, and parts of the interior began to fall early in the development of the fire. Whether they fell or were yeeted, I'm leaving to the imagination. The disintegration was so bad that the trailing edge of the right wing flap, the main cabin door, mm-hmm. and the Buffett cold box all had fallen from the aircraft prior to impact. Now, the main cabin door, I'm now questioning um, the circumstances. I mean, if the airplane was still moving at a relative rate of speed, these doors... Were- and they opened it, and they yeah. probably just sheared the door off. Point is, I don't think it's part of the disintegration due to fire. No. No. Since the fire tended to be farther back, and the door was at front. And I'm not sure, because in this case, with the DC-6, it may have been a rear door, which, again, might have just sheared from forces. Anyway, the fact that these items were found lent to the determination that a fire in flight of this severity was unsurvivable for cabin occupants. No, really. The fire took place on the lower right side of the fuselage in the center section about mid-wing and extended rearward for 23 feet and upward along the right side of the fuselage and up to the top of the window line in the cabin. So did you catch where the fire was actually coming from? Okay, say that again. That whole thing again. The fire took place on the lower right side of the fuselage in the center section about mid-wing and extended rearward for 23 feet and upward along the right side of the fuselage up to the top of the window line in the cabin. So it was the wing that was on fire? So it was coming from near the wing. There was no so evidence. it wasn't the cargo area. It, it was the lower cargo area, but it wasn't coming from the rear. Not the tail. There was no evidence of a fire in the cockpit, rear lounge, or lavatories. Thanks. Right. And yes, there's a rear lounge. It's got like club seating. They would play games and stuff. You could sit back there and yeah, they play, used like, to do that board games and chess because it took a really long time to get from one place to another. Yes, and also they cruised at lower altitudes and slower speeds, and that it was air travel was a lot more luxurious. It was like uh, being on a cruise ship. Yep, but in the air. Mm-hmm. Control cables passing through the air conditioning compartment, aka boiler room, were found to have been partially destroyed by the fire. Nothing like having a boiler room on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> If that doesn't tell you how old this thing is. And all of the control cables failed in tension. I mean, of course they failed in tension, but they felt the need to mention that. But they failed. So uh, that makes sense why they're like, oh, no, we're losing the tail. No, they just lost control. You just lost control of the airplane. Got Mm -hmm. it. Okay. One of the components found to have been ignited in flight was an emergency landing flare. This is what I was talking about, the other flamey thing. (laughs) When an airplane's going down... This isn't something they include anymore. What's the point of having a flare? If the airplane's going down, they're like, we're going down, shoot a flare. Just like a ship. Yeah. They do, I, they the ship a lot makes of things. sense because the ship is meant for other ships to come find it to save people. Well, and the flare was intended for other airplanes for, for, to see it to come find them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at the time, you have to remember, they took a lot of things from maritime because yes. it made sense. And at the time, it was still so rudimentary. And so manual that it matched the f- maritime. The flare doesn't make sense. But I I'm haven't sorry. gotten to the best part of that device. All I can think of for the flare, maybe maybe it's for people below. Like you see the flare and you're like, oh, it's for both people below and for other airplanes. Because that thing's going to be really bright and it's going to catch your attention. So yeah. it will make it easier to see something wrong. I feel like though, while you're trying to fa- or failing to control an airplane, um, mm-hmm. 
the last thing you're going to want to do is, is set something flare. on fire. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, it's supposed to shoot off and then light a flame. But guess like where it is. Flare. Guess where it is. So right. they just, it's in the wing. Are they just flying with like this little sparkler trail behind? Oh, it, it, really it, oh. No, it, it fired. Oh, it went off. Uh, not that they intended for it to. So no. let me repeat. It's the middle of the day. <laughs> let, let, let me let me repeat this part of the sentence because I did stop mid sentence. Yes. For effect, dramatic effect. Dun, dun, dun. One of the components found to have been ignited in flight was an emergency landing flare located at the trailing edge of the right wing fillet immediately forward of the alcohol tank. Also a thing. There's an alcohol tank. <laughs> the f- is that for? We haven't even got to the parts that are gonna make you actually mad yet. Which is part of the carburetor de-icing system. At the time, de-icing fluids weren't really much of a thing yet. Like, we didn't have very specially designed chemical de-icing fluids. So they put a very, very flammable liquid close to a place that has combustion? Now, to be fair... And next to a flare. To be fair, most de-icing fluids are also still flammable because they use alcohol. But this was specifically just rubbing alcohol (laughs) because it works very well as a de-icing fluid. And the carburetor, which is what also allows air into the engine and helps it mix, if that freezes up by the moisture it's also sucking in... You're done. Yeah, you're screwed. So the engine's going to shut down. So it's important that it de-ices itself. So you're telling me that this flare went off next to the alcohol tank? The alcohol tank (laughs) had an entire (laughs) tank full of rubbing alcohol? Yes! The alcohol tank had fallen after having ruptured... As I said <laughs> yesterday, expediently in many directions. AKA probably gone boom before it quote unquote left the aircraft. Expediently in many directions. <laughs> because it exploded. Yeah. <laughs> it gets worse. It unfortunately does. I should not. How the f- does it get worse? <laughs> this is mostly nervous this laughter, is, by the is, way. This is always <laughs> my thought whenever we. How can this possibly get any worse? It well, really can. How did you, the fire start to begin with? Oh my god, you're going to be so mad. Okay, so I am so sorry. None of the power plants, aka engines, for for those of us in this century, <laughs> hydraulic system, electrical system, or cabin supercharging system showed any evidence of fire damage. None of them. So, and there was no evidence of wing or empennage structural failure or failure of control surfaces. Great. So how the what what was in the cargo hold that caught fire then? So um, no. Investigators looked into the fuel system to see if anything went awry there. It was then that they found that the number three alternate tank vent outlet was near the leading edge of the wing and close to the bottom wing fillet. Ten feet aft of that and slightly to the left, there was an air scoop or air inlet that fed fresh air from the outside into the cabin heating system as well as the cooling air for the cabin supercharger air after cooler and cabin supercharger oil cooler. Why is that a problem, you may ask? The investigators interviewed the captain's regular co-pilot, who testified that the captain procedurally would transfer fuel from the outboard alternate tanks to the inboard alternate tanks. Okay, so? Well, if he had forgotten to turn off the transfer, any overflow fuel from the number three alternate tank would have left out of the vent outlet, the one that's 10 feet away from the air scoop. So this is a pretty remarkable thing, but what's happening is, quite literally, to, to simplify this, they're filling from one alternate tank to the other one after they are partway through the flight. This is normal. This is how they just make sure there's enough fuel in the other tanks to support the two out of four of the engines. And in doing so, if they're not paying attention, those tanks can overfill. And normally, as with most things, there is a vent to prevent it from gaining too much pressure. 
So it is venting that fuel out of the airplane. However, it's venting that fuel out of the airplane, and then it flows along the underside of the airplane right into an air inlet scoop for the heater for the airplane. Flight test proved that the fuel would be swept back in the slipstream of air directly towards the cabin heater combustion air intake scoop, and that a considerable quantity of fuel would enter the scoop. Ground tests showed that the cabin heater would then backfire and thereby propagate flame downstream and incoming fuel would burn in the air scoop and duct. So quite literally, they're just lighting they're the just heating. They're just feeding a fire. They're creating a fire that quite literally just lights a flame in the cabin air inlet, which is why there's smoke in the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> and also why the airplane is aflame. The two dumbfounded looks in front of us. All I Why? can think of is this sounds like a Tom and Jerry episode. <laughs> like, ooh. This is more like a, it, a wily Coyote, it, like, really badly designed it plan. It just feeds itself. Because the fuel goes into the combustion chain and it catches on fire and then the inlet with the fresh air comes in and there's more oxygen and then it just gets worse from there. You're yeah. correct. So how... How, how, how? And they're feeding a lot of fuel into this inlet, by the so way. So why didn't someone go, huh, did we turn off the feed valve? Okay, so let me keep going. Le- yeah, Give let me a sentence finish. and a half. Yeah. Chemical analysis of the soot smudges on the wreckage confirmed the combustion of aviation fuel, which was further aggravated by the barium nitrate contained in the flare. Hmm. Which, you know, is flammable and didn't help matters. No. Well, this seems like a design. What did Douglas have to say for themselves? That's a great question. They said that the DC-6 fuel system was not designed for transfer between tanks like that. Yet this was extensively employed prior to the accident. No tests had been conducted to determine whether any hazard existed related to possible overflow of fuel from the vent outlet, so pilots were not given instruction as to the hazards of such a thing. Nothing said they shouldn't transfer fuel in this manner. So, all right, here, all right. (laughs) Really, Douglas, come on now, huh? Like... (laughs) They are the absolute kings of we didn't know better until we found out. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, we talk about DC-9s, DC-10s, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. but what is the point of having the the pressure valve to keep it from happening Mm -hmm. there, but you didn't do the thing where it's like, well... It's we should a tank make, overflowed. We should make sure that doesn't go on to anything. Where flammable. does it go? <laughs> right. Yeah. What what happens? They just assumed that as soon as they put a hole through the airplane where it could go out, that it would just go out? Out away from everything, but it turns out it would go out back into the airplane. <laughs> because it doesn't just disperse because you're going multiple hundreds of miles an hour? And not only that, I don't know if you have the number of how much. No. Ten gallons. Ten gallons is what they flowed out and into the inlet. Ten gallons of fuel. They didn't realize that they lost fuel that fast? <laughs> no one was like, yo, hey. Um, you also have to remember, these engines burned fuel. Yes, I understand that. But also, that's a lot of goddamn fuel to lose. It okay? was not a well-known thing to the pilots at the time that this could happen. Because Douglas didn't tell them. Because Douglas didn't know. Because Douglas didn't check. So... They just assumed that it would overflow and go out. They had no reason to believe that that was what was causing the fire. This is also quasi-early aviation. I don't know. Mistakes got to be made. But what's the point of having the fuel valve, the intake, the, the, the engines be able to cross-feed if the point 
If they're like, oh yeah, no, we didn't know that it would just overfill and then go back into the back of the airplane. What's the point of having the system work that way then? What What's the point? If you didn't test it, what the f- is the point? So now things are a little bit different, I assume, because I am not uh, an expert on airplane mechanics, but I do believe the crossfeed valves are pressure smart. Yes. Won't allow further fuel to go into a already full tank. Also, I assume that today's systems are like, hey! Yeah, today's systems, they're automatic, and they also have sensors that tell them when they're full. So (laughs) they won't, they won't, they just won't, they won't do that. And even then, there's backups for backups, so if it does flow out, it's going to go out the actual dump valve, which goes out the end of the wing, away from everything, which is where it is on every airplane. It's out toward the end of the wing, away from everything. (laughs) So if you ever look up in the sky and uh, you hear reports of emergency, dumping fuel, you can look up and be like, oh, there's stuff coming out of the wingtips. That's that's them dumping fuel. But that is not what's happening when they're all the way up at altitude and you see all that trail, the contrail. No, that's different. That's just literally I said in an emergency when they're dumping fuel. Right. Yes. Also, if they're dumping fuel directly overhead, you should not be where you are. No, they right. aren't supposed to do it over land. They're not supposed to do it doesn't over land. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened, unfortunately. It has. Yes, Delta, thank you. Um, but <laughs> maybe don't drop fuel over an elementary school during six, recess. Six, six schools. Yeah. Six schools they dropped it on. Yes. How dare. Yeah. This no, was just like kids five, had to, five years it was ago. A few, it was a few years ago. Kids yeah. had to go to the hospital. They got in big trouble. Because yeah, they, they were did. supposed to, they were in California and they were supposed to do it off the coast and they ended up not doing that. I hope they got a phone number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They might and have. probably a lot more than that. Yeah. They might have gotten a few. <laughs> probably definitely got fired. Yes. So. Yeah. So, yes. But normally it happens at very high altitude away from land. And it, and it disperses. Where it vaporizes. Yeah. And then does not make it to the Unless ground. you're coming in for an emergency landing. Right, which they weren't supposed to be dumping during that time period anyways. They just didn't do the checklist. Anyway. So, anyway. That's, that's dumb. That I'm, I'm calling it. It's pretty dumb. I don't yeah. think I've I, ever heard you, either of you, be so speechless for so long. I cannot believe. Again. That, what, okay, I know we talk about this a lot, especially with early crashes. We're mm-hmm. like, we don't know. Aren't you supposed to test these things before you get the airplane? Yes. Like, Also, fluid dynamics would probably have helped with this in engineering perspective. <clears throat> Figuring out where things flow from one place to another. Yes. That being said, though, fluid dynamics has also come very far since then. Yes. So why, th- wait, why the hell did they think it was the cargo compartment? Because it was burning from the cargo compartment, but it was feeding smoke into everywhere. And so it causes the alarm to go off. Everywhere. Everywhere, including the cargo compartment. And they were losing control, or so they thought. I mean, it was. And then the cabin was also on fire. And that was probably because mid-airplane, it was a flame underneath. Well, that's fun. Mm -hmm. Also amidst this, they realized there was only one fire extinguisher in the air conditioning compartment, a.k.a. boiler room. And um, I'm questioning that decision. Not that it would have done any good, but maybe you should have more than like one small fire extinguisher. Yeah, again, that's probably one of those things where they're like, we didn't know it should have a bigger one, so we didn't put a bigger one. In the section called the boiler room? Yeah, um, I feel like that's something that they probably should have learned from ships. Uh, Titanic. But, yeah. Yeah. Not, well, Titanic's one of them, but... Many. Many, there, I mean, 
What was that one? The one with, that also had a double plate. The salt, the Sultana. Yeah. Yeah. The steam engine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That definitely exploded due to poor boiler maintenance. Yeah. Um, because yep. of a damn doubler plate. Don't even get me started. Okay. But yeah, I mean, there was many instances where on ships in compartments. We've proven that boiler rooms. Are- Cause you wanted to see how much of the airplane was left. Nothing. It's, it's, it's not, there's nothing there. There's nothing That wasn't survivable. Yeah, no, yeah, no, really. (laughs) Anyways. Okay, so we'll come back after the break. We have a lot more to discuss. Well, not a lot, but we have some more to discuss. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Okay, we're back. Let's do a little bit of discussing. Discussion. Discussion. There are no findings. There are no probable cause. Well, there's what? A prob- there is a probable cause. Ow. Sorry, there's a probable cause. There's no recommendations. Sorry. I stabbed myself. With- oh, I thought you were saying ow because I screamed. No. no recommendations. No findings. Oh. There is a brief prob- probable cause. I guess it's my turn again. Hi, hello. Yes, go ahead with the probable cause. The board determines that the probable cause of this accident was the combustion of gasoline which had entered the cabin heater air intake scoop from the number three alternate tank vent due to inadvertent overflow during the transfer of fuel from the number four alternate tank. Contributing factors were the improper location of the number three alternate tank air vent outlet and the lack of instructions provided DC-6 flight crews concerning hazards associated with fuel transfer. Didn't we just cover an episode with fuel transfer being an issue? Yeah. The one before this. Like last week. Yeah. The DC-4. Uh-huh. Had the same crossfeed system. It didn't cause a fire. No. It <laughs> caused other issues. Yes. Which, at that point, I would hope, I don't know, I feel like... Douglas, get, again, sh- the get your kings together. of we don't know till we find out. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know until we find out the hard way. You mean you didn't know that having a uh, cargo door that opened the wrong way mid-flight, would, yeah, would be an issue? It <laughs> would suddenly it blow apart in, yeah. your very large pressurized vessel vessel because it blew off. Yeah, mm-hmm. you didn't know that you would just leave debris on a runway that would. Uh, Blow up a Concord, right? Myriad of things. Oh God, myriad of things. I, we should it, look it up for the post episode to see if there's a list of issues on. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that. Unfortunately, the, they're the, well known for these things. That the fan blade and the number two engine on DC tens were not made well, and therefore would explode and leave you with a uh, no control or uh, the hydro the the system that it eventually would explode into mm-hmm. did not have a backup and therefore you lost like everything everything mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so many things so many things so many things so here's the kicker they wrote the report they found everything out but they didn't find this out really until the help of a second accident well inc- incident it wasn't an accident this one ended up being survivable only because they managed to land yeah and Yay. they got everybody out of the airplane actually and they're like, here's what happened. And they're like, oh, that it's a United DC-6. I wonder if that's relevant to that United DC-6 that just crashed. Right. Because, because this was airplane was also damaged beyond repair because it went aflame. Aflame. It was on fire. It was a fire. So, and they found out why. 
because they had a whole airplane minus the burned bits. Yeah. But they could quite easily determine what happened that way. You see what had happened was. What had happened was. All I can hear in my head this whole time is that somebody called 911. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's pretty much the case. So yeah, there was another incident shortly thereafter was very similar, and that very much helped them in determining why this accident happened. How? Yeah, how this one burned up. Because there's no recorders. This right. Is early, early. Very early aviation. Well, mid early aviation. Before the jet age. Yep. Aviation. Right before the jet age. Yes. And so there's many a thing that they actually did to implement a repair for this. And Douglas was quick, as they are, once they figure things out. That's the problem. <clears throat> they just, the, 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 that's the issue is that they have to do right. the repair after it happened. But they did learn this time. They did. They very much learned, and they, did, they took this to heart pretty quickly, actually. And they made a lot of modifications, actually. They made modifications to the vent tank outlets so that, first of all, they didn't flow the same direction. And so that also they didn't flow... As much, like, there was ways that it would keep pressure and stop <laughs> the, the the overfilling. But also, basically, there was, this is pretty simple, because you talk about fluid dynamics, they added plates that just kept it from flowing certain directions, and it was pretty much as simple as that. Yeah, but wouldn't that add drag? To some extent, but as long as you keep it in airflow and you just force it to flow a different direction, then... It's not as bad. You're talking about airplanes that still aren't flying... Hundreds and hundreds of miles I an hour. I know. <laughs> They're going slower. These airplanes were, at the time, efficient for their age, but they were not Probably like what we have today as... in terms of marvels of efficiency in terms of fluid dynamics. I was going to make some joke about being efficient for our age, but I am not efficient for my age. <laughs> <laughs> Guards were also added at all fuel booster pump switches, so where the switches actually were... To make sure that they weren't accidentally bumped and such, there were guards put in place to make sure that it wouldn't accidentally be overfilled. Now, mind you, they were doing it on purpose. Yes. Even though they were told, but they didn't tell that they couldn't do it. No. It was they, just it not was intended just, to. Yeah. Right. It was actually very distinctly part of their operations. Which makes me wonder, like, if they were specifically told that it wasn't a thing. Dude, I don't know. Why they did it. Like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you find a back door somewhere. And but you're also, like, but we can do that, so we should do that. These are pilots mm-hmm. who are probably all are war vets. They've probably flown all kinds of planes, and they've probably been able to do this in other planes. So like, hey, whatever, it's just another airplane. Let me just crossfeed. Yep. Most likely. But, 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 no. And it's definitely not abnormal to crossfeed. It's just, uh, it's just a very... Well, didn't they have a... Form of DC-6 for the military? No. It wasn't the DC-6? Well, I'm not going to say no entirely. There are DC-6s that were used in the military after, but not during World War II. What what was it? Was it DC-4? DC-3. DC-3 was the thing that they used during World War II. DC-4s and DC-6s were not a thing. C-130s? No. What what, what was their... The C-47? What was Mm -hmm. their military name? C-47. There are military versions of the DC-6, but they came later. I'm really proud that I knew the C-47. Yes, the C-47. I don't know military aircraft, so... And yeah, that's a version that. of the DC-3 and DC-2. Mm-hmm. What was the one we saw in Orange County? DC-3. The DC-3. Was it a DC-3? It was yeah, a it was C-47. a C-47. Oh, and okay. a DC-3. Yep. Okay. They had both. One of each. Yes, they had both, but yeah. Okay. They're identical. Same thing. Just one's military use. One of the them has 
seats. Commercial, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That, yes, more than likely. And the DC-3 was a very good airplane. It also had its quirks and things. It's not like there weren't accidents to the DC-3, but it was so reliable, so quick, and so easy to build that they were able to produce insane numbers of them during the war. Yeah, which turns out was a good thing. They produced 607 of them. Of which? The DC-3. Mm-hmm. And then they produced 10,174 of the C-47. Yes, which then ended up going into commercial service, actually, any of the ones that survived. After, yeah. After the war. 10,000 of them. Yes, correct. Holy hell. Mind you. They needed aircraft and they needed them fast. Here's the crazy thing, though. Look up how many 737s have been built. How many 737s have been built? Look it up. You'll be amazed. Okay, but those have also had a much longer history. Yeah, but there's still DC-3s flying. It's 11,480 as of June. Holy Which kind? Total? Yes. Okay. That's a lot. It's a lot of 737s, though. Yes, but that also spans... Its first flight was 56 years ago, and it's mm-hmm. still flying. Mm-hmm. The majority of those C-47s were produced during, during the, the war. war. Yes, of course. The war! The, the war. war! Well, that was because they were using everybody who could use anything yes. mechanical to build them. Yes. They were using... Every, and they that's all that people did. Right. Factories for other things suddenly became plants for DC-3s. C-47s. Well, C-47s. And, and, well, and not just those, right? Tanks... Um, mm-hmm. Other things used for the oh, yeah. gun. Oh yeah, yeah. M- military. Just they just built everything they could yep. so that we could outgun the Nazis. <laughs> yep. And Japan. Well, and- Japan wasn't really a, a gun war though. Like we were just we wanted to build more ships and stuff to outpower Japan. But mm-hmm. the issue with the war in Europe was trying to outgun Germany. Yes. Because Germany had such good tanks and stuff. The C-47 in its naval version, the R-4D, made it possible for Allied troops to counter the mobility of the light-traveling Japanese army. Yes, that too. They used them on both ends, but they were very famous in, of course, the D-Day drops. So yeah. how many R-4Ds were made? Oh, a hundred. Mm-hmm. Eh. <laughs> that's not, a, that's <laughs> not as good comparison. Very small by comparison. Yeah. Anyways, Yes. They made airplanes in astonishing numbers at the time. I mean, things we can't even comprehend today. It just, it's amazing. Other things that changed, they made some changes to electrical equipment on the aircraft to make sure that they wouldn't short and cause fires. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. Because that was a big thing, is that it wasn't just that it was pouring fuel onto a heater. It was the fact that the heater also shorted. It backfired. And caused sparks. And it caused a spark, which lit the flame. Because if it went in without the combustion of it... It, it probably would have caused a lot of smoke and still would have been really hot. Yeah, but it, but probably, it probably wouldn't have lit a flame. Caught, yeah, caught on fire. At <laughs> also, least not did, did we get rid of the, the, the flare? No. Or maybe move it? No. Or just not well, have a flare? I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. They did move <laughs> they did move the alcohol tank. <laughs> the alcohol tank? Away from the flare. <laughs> I you know, when I first read that phrase, I, I had to take them and I'm like, the fact that there's an a full alcohol tank. Yes. Now, when you said alcohol tank, I did not picture it in the terms so, of de-icing. I thought that yes. they had like a spigot somewhere. <laughs> I did too. I was in the same mindset. People alcohol Just from this tank. Giving people yeah. wine and vodka and stuff. All I could think about was that I wanted one of those. Yeah. No, so. no, it's rubbing alcohol no. and it was used for the engine. That makes a lot more sense. So again, it does. So, engines today, the only thing that they have to regularly fill between every flight is fuel. Yes. That's it. 
The only other things liquid wise, I mean, they feel they feel water tanks, of course, but that's different. Oil. But for the engine, well, the oil is only done during inspections HX. and major maintenance. Well, and even minor maintenance. They'll do it then. Like they'll do some oil things. Like line checks. Now, mind you, at the time during when this would fly. Pistons. Yes. Needed every oil. single time they would stop, they would put in gallons of oil into every engine and then many gallons of fuel and then retop off the alcohol tanks and the myriad of other fluids that were required for piston flight. Because and were flammable. And were also flammable, Was, yes. <laughs> did all of them have to be so flammable? <laughs> I don't think they had stuff why that was flammable. This is why we stopped making very large piston aircraft. <laughs> too many moving Having parts, too heavy. engines is so much better. Very inefficient. Many flammable things. But that's what we had at the time, though. Yes. Like, that's yes, what we it knew. It was the step to the next thing, right? Yes. So once we got to the jet age, my God, did we make things efficient. Then this just felt stupid really quick. <laughs> the oil thing and the... Reminds me of uh, when we talked about the thing with Chris, the, the, what's it called? Pacific. The thing that went around yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why the f*** did I? Pacific, it was a Pan Am. Pacific Clipper? Yeah, Pacific mm-hmm. Clipper. Because they had to find their way back and they had to like find oil and mm-hmm. <laughs> And there wasn't any extras because <laughs> mm-hmm. the war had just started. Yep. <laughs> the, war! the war! The war! The war! Yeah, they were supposed to go back from whence they came from Australia, New Zealand, I think, right off the coast of New Zealand, mm-hmm. to California. Well, the Japanese had attacked and... The Pacific Ocean? Yeah, and, yeah. and that's where... There the, was and, nowhere to go and safely like, through the Pacific. Yeah, you have to get back to New York, but also you can't go the way you came. Good luck! So they went around the other way. Yep. You should go listen to our bonus episode. It is fantastic. Chris did an amazing job. It is phenomenal. It's a really good story. It's a very oh. different episode for yes. us. Also, you should go look up the Past Life and Afterlife series on TikTok by Stephanie B. So that you can understand the war! The, the war! war! We'll see. I don't have TikTok downloaded. It's on YouTube. Fair. our company TikTok or whatever you want to refer to it as. Yeah. But I don't touch. It's on YouTube also. We'll see. Anyway. They also... So, mind you, at the time, as is how things happen when things happen to Douglas Airplanes, mm. they happen twice. Yeah. And then they ground everything. Yep. <laughs> Because they're like, clearly there's a problem here. That's how this goes every time. Here's the problem with grounding every DC-6. The president's airplane was a DC-6. Oh, yeah. That's why you're talking about... Air Force One was also grounded at the time. Now, as soon as they started to figure out what the problem was, they realized that there was a pretty easy mitigated fix for this. Don't use the hater. Yeah. That was the fix. They said, don't use the heater for now until you get the modifications, but continue to fly the airplane because they couldn't afford not to. So they started flying them again, but they stopped using the heater. I don't love that solution. No, especially not when you find this out in the middle of winter. Yeah. (laughs) I have another question. I have another answer. Let's move the flare. No, No, I asked that. No, again, they moved the alcohol tank. No, not the flare. Away from the flare. Now, mind yeah. you, later versions of the DC-6 probably didn't come with a flare. Because there's no reason to have a flare on an well, airplane. once no. we had ground radar, a lot more efficient ground radar everywhere, there was no need for a flare. We knew what an aer- where there an airplane was, was a need and it went for, away. There was never a need for a flare to begin with. Well, there was at some point. I mean, you had to hope that somebody would find you when you were out in the middle of freaking nowhere, Utah. Who's going to see you? You're in the middle of freaking nowhere, Utah. The three people that are in the middle of freaking nowhere, Utah. <laughs> 
But that's like if and that's important. It turns that's out if you're alive enough to have the yeah. flare go off. Well, yes, but the hope is that you are, and then it works. That that's a lot of ifs and hopes there. Yeah, there's yes. a lot of ifs, buts. But again, they were taking buts. this from maritime rules, which also also who's going to see you in the middle of the ocean, Titanic? Right. They proved that it was still helpful Actually, enough. Actually, there was a ship that saw Titanic. Mm-hmm. They put the Titanic put off the wrong flare, which is why they didn't get rescued before they did. Mm-hmm. Because people Miranda. didn't do their research. Right. Miranda's on a t- uh, Titanic hyperfixation right now. I did that when I, when I was like 11. All I would do. I, I did like it when I was eight. Did, I feel like we all did that at some point in time. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. a class report on it unprompted, and my teacher's like, you know you're not getting a grade for this. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that, that should have been the sign of the ADHD. People yeah, died. A lot of people yeah. died. What does what, maritime rules? Maritime sea stuff. So Got anything it. having to do with boats. Boats. So okay. the reason why boats have, even now, boats have flares is because out in the middle of bu- nowhere in the ocean. You light the flare off and it says, uh-oh, yeah. help me. Yeah. Because they don't I have radar out there like yeah. we do over the air. Like, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. So you can try to get a hold of other ships in the right. Coast Guard, but they're not going to know exactly, exactly where you are. Right. Now we have, so. like, satellite tracking, and they can track most boats, but there's still, like, little ships get in distress sometimes. They need help. So they yeah. have flares. Oh, flare. to, yeah. And yeah. then people are like, oh, look, there's a thing over there. We, we should go, go help. We should go check that out. Makes you can sense. also use a flare as a defense weapon if you're in a real pinch. <laughs> what? Captain I mean, Phillips. That makes sense. Watch Captain Phillips. Look up Captain Phillips. He did. He used flares as a weapon. Against what? The, the pirates. The hijackers. I see. This was That's funny. 2009. Yes. They made a movie about it. They just it's rescued a man that they compared to Castaway. Fun fact. He was out to sea for two months. Jeebus. With his dog. Another yeah. Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. I love yes, uh, Tom Hanks Phillips. is in the, the movie with the pirates. Oh. He's also Captain Sully. Castaway is one of my favorite movies ever. Castaway good. Wilson. I yes. used to quote that. Yes. <laughs> Frequently. So do many people. Not to get too on a tangent, but maritime laws do still actually affect aviation to this day in a lot of ways. But the most prominent of which in the United States is the rules governing foreign carriers operating in the United States. Yep. It is driven by maritime law that has been around since like the 1700s when the British were still here. They would, didn't want other countries coming to drop off things and then pick up passengers and drop them along the coast and make money in their country. They're allowed to make some money, but they're not allowed to do what their own companies were doing, and it's the same just here. That's why you don't see foreign airlines doing hops from... Denver to New York. Denver to New York, or LA, or things like that. Yeah. They're only allowed to do hops into the country once to drop off and pick up, and then they have to leave. And if they they have to stop for fuel because it's an extra long flight, you aren't allowed to board passengers... There, and in rare circumstances, are you allowed to let passengers off? Right. I see. This is the same thing that actually affects cruise ships today, too. Like, mm-hmm. because all cruise ships, except one, are registered to foreign Out- countries. Outside. They yeah. must leave the country and do a stop somewhere before they come back. So if you go on an oh, Alaskan cruise, yeah. you are going to stop in Canada. Yeah. You, they have oh, to stop. They have to stop in Canada between Alaska and Seattle. Because they have to be able to make a stop in a foreign country to be legal. Gotcha. Now, there is an exception to that, which are any Hawaiian cruises. Which, which are, is done by one ship. Which is registered to the United States and is a much more expensive 
cruise. It's because the taxes. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yep. like, like a lot of uh, the ships, the Norwegian ships right. we've been on are actually Bahamas. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they can get away <laughs> without having to pay U.S. taxes on registering them in the Bahamas. So. That's yeah. fair. I miss my cruise. Yes. It's a blast. Yes. So... These are the things that affect aviation today, too, like foreign carriers they have to do. And there are weird ways that carriers kind of get around this, too, like, i.e., Air Tahiti, Nui. They fly from Tahiti to Paris with a stop in L.A., and they are allowed to drop off and pick up passengers and operate just the leg between Los Angeles and Paris, even though Paris is not where, and France is not where the aircraft is registered. It's registered in Tahiti. They're allowed to do that as long as they don't make another stop in the United States. Another weird one that's existed in history is Qantas has done a flight from Sydney to New York with a stop in L.A. for fuel Mm -hmm. because they haven't been able to do their sunrise flights yet. Project Sunrise flights yet. They will be soon. So they would do the stop in L.A., but they weren't allowed to let anybody off or pick them up. So you could get directly from Sydney to New York, quote unquote, but you would expect that you would be on the ground for a little over an hour in L.A. getting fuel along the way. And the exception being you can get off if there's a medical emergency. Of course, of course, of course. These are things that are always possible. Yes. So no surprises there, but. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, I don't even know what the. United Airlines Flight 608. And the funny thing is they still use this flight number. Yes, they do. That's why it's because it's old, like really, really old. Yes, but for being one of the deadliest accidents in history at the time. It is currently from LAX to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Fancy. Vancouver, Washington or Vancouver, Canada? No, Canada. Canada. There's no airport Washington? in Vancouver, I don't know. Washington that accepts airliners. Huh? That's a place? Vancouver, yes. Vancouver, Washington yeah. Is, yeah. A, this is a suburb of Portland, Oregon. Oh. I'll show you on a map. Cool. We might go there. I just want to see waterfall. Yes. Also, yes. I had to give Kate. That's what we need to go to Iceland for. Yes. Oh my God. I want to go to Iceland. Foss. Foss. Everyone's saying that for a minute. I really want to go, but everything is so overbooked right now. Yeah. You know why? Because everybody wants to go to Iceland. You know why? Because there's an eruption. There's a volcano erupting and it's safe to visit. And it's close to Reykjavik. No. It's a 12 mile hike. I'll watch from a distance. You can take a helicopter tour. Mm-hmm. That's, That's from a distance. It's just, it's not an explosive eruption. It's there, just like. It's just a lava flow. Lava there, flow. Yeah, it's a lava flow. You never. It's basically a ground eruption. Mm-hmm. The entire continent of. Um, the island? Entire island, yes. I, oh, it's not a continent. <laughs> yes. Uh, my brain just absolutely did a brain fart. The country of Iceland is like covered in volcanoes. It basically I didn't know is that. one. I had no idea. That's how it was made. That's why yeah, the springs but... there, the Blue Lagoon, it's, yeah. it's naturally heated from. All of the water is naturally mm-hmm. heated. You turn on a faucet country. and it's hot. It smells like sulfur because it's naturally heated. Fancy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All they have to do is run it deep enough through the ground and then bring it right back up. <laughs> so, yeah. Portland, Oregon, right across the river, Vancouver, Washington. One of this our... is the airport for Portland. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. One of our dedicated listeners is actually from Vancouver, Washington. Yes, that is true. My dad is also from Portland. Y'all should know that from the answers from the trivia from last week. Yes, none of you knew that part. Which means if you don't know what the trivia is, you should go check out the newsletter that should have come out today because this comes out on the first. Mm -hmm. Oh, speaking of, happy birthday, Miranda. Yes. 
Your birthday after. will be tomorrow after yeah. this <laughs> releases. After it releases, not right yes. now. We have a couple weeks until then. But yeah, thank you. Can we do it? Wait. Never mind. It took me a second. Okay. One, two, three. This, this is, is your, your birthday, birthday song. song. It, it isn't very long. long. Thank you. That's all. There you go. It's our band birthday song from high school. Yes. <laughs> I've heard How to it, keep it short when you have I so know, many people. I know the reference, but I don't know. I haven't gotten the words yet. One day. For us, it's just it was a way to like do a short happy birthday when you have like a hundred well, members that have school, to yeah. sing happy birthday. Our high school band director's like, I don't got time for this. No. So That's and fair. he doesn't want to hear everybody try to sing happy birthday either when you have a hundred out people. of tune. Yeah, yeah, no, I hate getting sung happy birthday. Like you get red. You don't want to look up at anyone. I think I was drinking the last time I had my birthday song sung to me. Wait, yeah, I have a video of you. You were blowing out your candles on your cake. I was drinking the cake at your <laughs> the the wrong kind of cake. Yes, her wrong cake had many candles on it. Actually. It's okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to our tangents. <laughs> yes, we do appreciate it. Uh, if gonna... you want to recommend an episode, we've had a couple people do so recently that have our like newer listeners. Yes. So please feel free to email us. Again, emailing us is probably the easiest way to do that because yep. then I can see it and flag it and come back to it later. If you do it on Facebook or Instagram, I'll see it and forget. <laughs> Because especially after this comes out, I will be immensely busy for the next eight months. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So just be aware that uh, that probably will not be like a, a thing that uh, please don't get annoyed. Like, yes, I'm trying. OK, and I will put it on the schedule. I, yeah. I'm going to put this out there because and I, I know this is horrible, but I cannot wait for you to be busy again because it will mean that I am a little less busy again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I would like to trade you once more. Yeah, that's fair. Because this has been one insane summer. Yeah. So I am looking forward to being a little less busy for the first time in a few months. <laughs> yeah. I have an extra side note. If you DM us or send us a message on, mm -hmm. I don't know, TikTok, something, I'm the first one to see it probably, or Miranda. So yes. like someone sent a message for Nick today, which is great. And I happen to be around Nick today. I, if yes. I wasn't, I wouldn't see him until next week. So if you get right. left on scene, don't be offended. I just right. want to make sure the right person sees it. Right. It will be seen at some point. Because I haven't seen this. So. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You're about to be shown it. Yes. I didn't even know it existed. So oh, see, yeah. that's the thing. One of our band members reached out to me personally. Thanks, Austin. Um, I also don't know when you'll be listening to this, but you guys remember that uh, Cessna 172 that had engine problems over Horse Tooth Reservoir? Yes. That was just buzzing people and being a dick. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you know he's on the run? Oh, no, I didn't cool. know that. <laughs> he fled the country. Great. The big and... I am not surprised. That was definitely not an accident. No, he was being that was a dick. So blatantly not an accident. The FAA wasn't fooled. The NTSB wasn't fooled. They were like, "Are you kidding?" The videos and the pictures don't show anything wrong with your airplane. Yeah, you are lying. M much along the same lines. Y'all hear about the crazy news? You know the peanut butter jelly song? Yes. That person went on an armed escapade. What? And did like a hostage situation and then was murdered was killed or whatever what? in the, the the hostage situation that they created what the hell i think he needed a peanut butter jelly sandwich <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so everybody yeah everybody was like this this came across my tiktok by a when couple of people this? like a, two weeks ago i don't know like and this came across my tiktok a couple of times and i was like that yeah. was a trip why holy crap <laughs> but why
Okay, well, check out the Patreon. So there's more tangents, and if you like yeah. to hear our tangents, <laughs> we'll there's talk, a lot more on the around. Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll be on the post episode. Stick around. Uh, we'll talk more about this <laughs> peanut butter jelly issue, um, <laughs> which I find to be very entertaining yet concerning. I have yes. the song stuck in my head now. Me too. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you have a safe and healthy week. We'll catch you all next week. Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hard Landings Podcast and on Twitter at Hard Landings Pod. Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen. If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at hardlandingspodcast.com where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions. This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy and edited by The Lovely Page. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us plus Leo. And our logo is by Naomi. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.